What's going on? Thank you guys so much for tuning in today for this interview with the lovely and spiritually intelligent Laura Mitchell Wild. So Laura, before I uh, ask you any questions, I'll just give you guys a brief introduction. Laura currently works with an NBA team as a mental resilience coach. She works in all types of professional sports from MLB to NBA to WNBA to NFL. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And everyone in between. Basically, when people want to be performing at their highest level, they go and find Laura. So it's awesome to have you today because on this channel, we do mental fitness training and you're like at the top of the top of this world. So thank you for joining me. And um, I'm pumped to have a conversation today. Me too. Thanks for having me, Brandon. I mean, this, you know, this work is so rewarding, as you know. So to get to talk about it, I mean, I'm living my best life. So I'm really excited to talk to you about it today. Absolutely. And this is cool because Laura and I have a good personal friendship, but it's usually a two-sided conversation. Today, I actually just get to pull out more of your story. So I'm excited about that. And um, I think a great place to start is how did you get interested in this field of, we're always changing the name, right? Mental performance, <laughs> quantum healing. What, how do you umbrella yeah. all the stuff that you do? I like, you know, I like to change the name every week, first of all, to keep people on yeah. their feet. But really, what kind of what I have come to is if I say mental resilience, no one else says that now. Now, like in two weeks, everyone will probably say that, but that's okay. Um, so I like to say mental resilience training, but the quantum healing part is really important part of what I do. So it's interesting because when I say sports metaphysics, no one knows what the heck I'm talking about. So that can't be an umbrella. But I do think that you and I, and what, what I've noticed whenever I talk to you is that we really are like pushing the envelope. We're becoming thought leaders in this field. Not to get my own horn, but I just see it because I get somewhere and no one's heard of something before. So it's not because I said I want to be a thought leader. It's just that when we're talking about things, people haven't really experienced the level we're discussing yet, you know? Yeah. What absolutely. do you like to call it? Um, well, you know, I just picked a niche of mental fitness training because uh, I got that URL. So I was like, all right, let's roll with this. <laughs> but that's the key. I have, I think I have mental resilience trainer or something, like so, or, or no coach, I think. And that you're, the mm -hmm. URL is everything. And then you can name something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It works. I found out that I actually couldn't legally, um, I couldn't copyright or trademark mental fitness training because it's considered to be like meditation. It's like, uh, an all-encompassing thing, Whoa. Um, which is interesting. Uh, I guess a few people have tried before, in case you're curious. So, um, but <laughs> I'm not going to get sued. And that's the only reason I was doing it. I was trying yeah. to find out. I was like, yeah. I was like, just no one sue me for talking about the stuff I want to talk about. And I guess <laughs> right. I'm safe Well, there. once it's, well, I mean, once it's spiritual, people aren't usually into suing anyway. So I, I guess in that realm, you're safe, you know? Yeah. So speaking of the spiritual, um, I think that when a lot of people think about professional sports, um, those two worlds don't seem to like go together, right? Like in regards to like on ESPN, they're not like, and today, you know, uh, LeBron James met with his quantum healer and his knees <laughs> looking 50% better. But the cool thing is that's actually going on in the NBA behind the scenes. Uh, and you're one of the people leading the way with that. So yeah. what kind of work are you doing? with these pro athletes? Well, you know, one of the things I call it is like five bodies healing. So, you know, a lot of people will just start with the physical body and heal, attempt to heal the body. 
using the physical aspects, but we really have five bodies. So I'm going to use all of them, like the emotional body, the mental body, and the intuitive body, and then what I call the cosmic body. Uh, and that's that connection we have to all other things. And if we're not working there and with the quantum level at a downward causation, like in other words, hey, if I can fix my knee, cool. But whatever caused my knee to hurt in the first place, that's like an emotional problem. That's a mental issue. So if I didn't fix that, my knee's going to get hurt again. So when you see athletes with recurring injuries, I hate to say it, but it's in their head a little bit, you know, it's in their body, it's in their emotional body. So what I like to do is work with people from this higher level. So if you go beyond the mind, beyond the emotional body, you're going to get a lot better results. And it's like this downward healing. Like it happens from the top down, not the knee trying to heal the emotions and the, you know, the mm. mind that can't happen. The mind will, will heal the body. The body won't heal the mind. Mm, beautiful. And so now that we're jumping around a little bit, let's go back to more the beginning of your story, because I know you yeah. started on this journey as uh, an athlete yourself. And so is, yeah. is, did, were you into all this stuff when you were an athlete or how did that evolve? Yeah. Yeah. I was, um, I was the, the nerd on my basketball team. When I was 17 years old, I read the power of positive thinking. And then I would, you know, kind of sit in the back of my bus with my um, Walkman. You know, I had, I had a cassette tape Walkman. That's my mm -hmm. age. Right. And I had my headphones on the puffy black ones. You know, we didn't have AirPods back then. And I would sit in the back of the bus and I would just imagine myself shooting free throws over and over again, or I'd imagine my game. So I visualized starting at age 17. And then when I became a coach, I became a, a NCAA head coach at 23. And um, I was still into my high school and college basketball game. So I was still pretty much an athlete when I became a coach. And I noticed that, especially in track, that stuff really worked. Like I, I had this one track meet as a junior and I was the third leg of the mile relay. I wasn't our strongest quarter runner at that point in time. And actually I was the second leg, sorry. So I took the baton and we were in like last place and I had already seen myself running around the track. I'd already watched the Olympics ever since I could, you know, the second I could walk, I was watching Olympic track. And I envisioned myself lapping everyone and catching up and then coming back around. But I had a long way to go. And I heard that noise in the crowd when someone's doing something that beyond themselves. And as I came around the curve and I started passing all the other runners, I handed off the baton with, with us in first place instead of last place. And mm. that was this really weird moment because we got the gold medal at the track meet and my coach kept going on and on and on about it. But I didn't repeat that same thing that year. And I just wasn't quite understanding of, you know, why it happened. I just, I did it, but I didn't know mm. why. And then later I realized like, oh, it's that book. And then I got really into it later. And I started thinking about how to create stuff in my mind first. So yeah, I totally did this as an athlete. As a young coach, I used to like, my players hated me, right? They would, I'd say, go sit against the wall and make 25 free throws. And then they'd go, we well, put the balls away. I go, I know, you don't need the balls to make 25 free throws, do you? And they just wanted to have the basketball in their hands. And I was like, just have, use your mind and play basketball. So mm. it was really unorthodox in the early 90s to, to put the basketballs away. And I think it cost a couple of jobs because players would complain to old school athletic directors you know these guys who like literally like you know they're probably you know they'd be 70 or 80 now and these kind of grumbly men who didn't have a, a sense of the spiritual and the, the zone you know dinosaurs yeah the dinosaurs and the neanderthals <laughs> in the group right so yeah but what's interesting is that you know i i had a choice i could change and try to be like everyone else or i could keep being me and like just be happy so you know I got out of a couple of coaching jobs and I found the right place and got hired back to a school that had fired me when a new uh, open-minded athletic director came along. Mm. And then, you know, 
eventually I kind of found myself in the NBA. Yeah. So I made it sound easy. <laughs> I know. Right. You're like, you're like, I was an athlete. Then I was a NCAA coach. And then I was in the NBA. I made jump shots. Boom. And it's then like I that. was in the NBA. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, then I had it. Then I won a world championship. So that's, yeah. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. Being manifested right now. So easy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay. you know, I was, I would say that manifesting, you know, it's a big part of it. I have all the experience and the tools, but so do hundreds of people out there. So I use my manifest game, you know, I'm, I'm literally visualizing everything happen, happening before it does. And I'm doing it in a really deep way. I'm not just closing my eyes and imagining, but I'm like getting into the alpha zone. Like I'm an athlete, you know? So mm -hmm. I still treat myself as an athlete because I am. So every performance, every job I want to get, every interview, every meeting, I'm going through the motions ahead of time in my mind. And it's really powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think um, a lot of people think, okay, even if they're watching this interview, they're like, well, I'm not an athlete. How is this going to apply to me? But yeah. like you said, you can apply this stuff to, to all aspects of your life. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like athlete, athletic, like sports, like I always think sports is such a great metaphor for anything, you know? So athletes just happen to be playing a sport, but we all have our own version of a sport that we do. So it yeah, doesn't matter absolutely. if you're actually like on the court. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So what, what was the thing that even got you interested in that book in the first place? Were there any mentors yeah. or people who got mm -hmm. you, you know, barking up that tree? That just made me smile so big, Brandon. Um, when I was about 11, my brother would have been eight. So we used to play this game and my uncle taught us. My uncle is a really intuitive guy. He taught us this game. He would say, you know, Laura, now imagine a color. And then I'd pick a color. And then he'd say, now imagine drawing that, uh, that uh, number with that color in your brother's head. Draw it on his brain. So I would imagine mm -hmm. it, draw like a, a yellow three on my little brother's brain. And then he would do it to me. And then we also played the game Mastermind starting like in sixth grade. So you know that game mm. with the little pegs? You have to guess what they put in the, in the colors. And so my uncle would say, Go just ahead. read their mind. Just, just see what he put. And they tell him to look at it. So I'd tell my brother, look at the game. And then I'm looking at the game. So I think that because I started thinking about um, ESP, which is not called that anymore, but um, intuition so early and so young that it was always something I was okay with. Like, honestly, like, I basically was already interested in being intuitive before I was 12. But you know, everyone can be intuitive. So I shouldn't act like that's why I'm intuitive because anyone can be intuitive. Yeah, that's really cool. Because most people think about that as like, hey, some people are just gifted with the ability to do those things, but you really view it as a skill. Yeah, I, you know, like I teach this class about it and I'm always like, well, if you just walked around with your arm dangling by your side your whole life, and then had to lift a 30 pound, is it a dumbbell? Yeah, um, dumbbell. You couldn't say, oh, I don't have a bicep. No, you have one, you just never used it. Yeah. So, and like, you're, but you, maybe your other arm has one, you know, it's like totally strong, but you're the same body. So you couldn't say, I don't have biceps. You'd say, oh, I use this muscle, but I don't use this muscle. So when I use this muscle of intuition, whatever, I'll get strong in it. I mean, it really is just a muscle. So I'm always like, you know, build the muscle, use the muscle and then you trust the muscle right because you got to trust your intuition yeah and so that that work for me was how i feel like the intuitive path is how i ended up in the nba honestly like i started following my gut feelings where should i move where should i live who should i talk to mm. you know who are the people i should surround myself with 
Yeah. It's interesting, you know, like your strategy for getting where you are today is so different than I think a lot of the people who may be in the field, right? Yeah. Like yeah. who who are other people who have a similar job than you do? And like what do you think like how different are those paths for you guys to arrive in that? Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people just went to school and got their psychology degrees and applied for a job and beat out other candidates. And um, I don't know, for me, it's always like, I don't, I don't want to be in a pool of candidates because I feel that my work is unique. And so I want to share that with someone and then they can give me a chance. Oh, this is unique work. We don't have this position available. Okay, we'll hire you because you can actually cover these bases for us. So, mm. But it's interesting because everyone else that I know who does similar work to this in the MBA uh, came through a really different path. And most of them showed up because there was an open position or because a, a general manager heard that another team had a sports psychology person. Um, and I'm not, I'm not a, a psychologist by trade. Like I'm not licensed as a psychologist. So I don't, I, I wouldn't call myself a sports psychologist. I would say I practice, you know, energy psychology and everything that a sports psychologist would do, you know, I've been trained in that type of stuff, but I just didn't go get that particular degree because it's not my first interest, you know, but that's the path for most people. Yeah, no doubt. I feel like maybe we're going through a little bit of shift in our world as well, yeah. where people are doing more of that. It's like, hey, how can I just like look inward and see what my unique gifts yeah. are and then yeah. bring in a unique gift? Because like you said, no one can do what you do because it's your unique gift. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if we do that, right, like, we'll, like, we'll always have jobs. I'll, I'll always have a job if I just use my unique gift. Because, mm -hmm. and I'm pretty irreplaceable. And I actually feel like I'm irreplaceable with my skill set. Now, someone else could be hired to do this job, but they would not be a quantum sports medicine healer because there kind of aren't many, you know, like this is a, like quantum sports medicine is something I'm creating. So to me, it's like, I'm going to choose my own lane and then literally like, I'm going to grab the ax and the tractor and clear the path because there's no path. If you, if it's somewhere really worth going, there's probably not a clear path. So that's why I'm like, I have this picture I like to show people. It's like, you know, in your mind, there's this clear path to, I'm not worthy, but sometimes the path to I deserve the best in life is a really a path full of weeds and trees and shrubbery. So we have to clear a new path. So for me, you know, there's a way to clear new paths for the best career for you. And that's just, I think, to be creating new things like buy URLs, you know, get that domain name of something that no one's ever spoken of and make it your own. I mean, lots of people do that. So there's, like I said, use your unique stuff. And it is like, it does come from inside, right? I mean, my inside game is my best game mm -hmm. for sure. And yeah. that's where, and that's where life feels better. You know, if you're looking inward and self-awareness, those things, when athletes get those, they're going to be really great at playing their sport. Well, speaking of that, so we're still in the very beginning stages of that starting to make its way into pro sports. Do you see this becoming more or do you feel like it's going to be like a slow integration where this stuff takes a while to start to be seen everywhere? <laughs> Well, I think like I did some research and it turns out that the Cubs had the first sports psychologist in the late 1800s. What's interesting about that is that the Cubs were not that successful, you know, for many years they had stretches like they, you know, I mean, they've had success lately, but um, that took a really long time for sports psychology to become mainstream, not till the seventies or eighties. And even then it wasn't really mainstream, but I think the, what's interesting is that when sports people do something, everyone else does it too later. So sports people made therapy cool you know I think I don't know, like Pete Rose or some some like like old school baseball guy talked about sports therapy and it was cool all of a sudden and then I think the spiritual stuff 
is kind of the way the world's going. And it seems like the current crisis of the day is pushing people toward that. You know, people had a lot of time to sit and just think about what they really want, what's important. So I think we're gaining self-awareness. So hopefully we kind of have this higher frequency, uh, the way we think about ourselves and the way we look at life and look inward. So I do think it's something that's going to be here to stay. And I think that it's going to completely change the game, especially if I, you know, am allowed to continue working. That's, you know, if, if it's, if I'm accepted as a person who gets to work in the MBA, right? Because I wasn't sure, like, would I be the kind of person the MBA can handle? You know, and the jury's still kind of out on that. I'm not sure. Like if, you know, I'm not really sure if my, you know, my particular way of doing things is going to stick enough over the next few years. But I, I learned that if I don't change who I am and I, you know, I grow, of course, but I don't try to go backwards if I keep going forwards, that people will follow. Like right now, the difference in me now, uh, if I was a coach, I have all these coaches asking me questions about all the things I was doing when I was 23 that people thought I was weird for. So it's changed, you know, and it'll keep changing, I think, because we're, you know, people like you and I are, and many others are meditating and, you know, we're using our spiritual practice to be high level performers. And once people recognize that that's a big, fast way to grow and get better at what you do, I think it'll catch on, right? I mean, it's about money too, right? The challenge is, oh, you don't do the spirituality for the sake of money. When people realize they can make money that way, they might do it, but will they do it in a way that's really that meaningful spiritual way? Yeah, we'll see. So. see. so when you talk about these spiritual practices, so people can get a little bit more tangible feel for like, hey, I'm an athlete or I'm a high performer looking to become my best. Um, what are some of the modalities that like you'd hand off to an athlete or a high performer and say, hey, um, do you can do these on your own as well to become better? Yeah. Well, I mean, I've always believed in the power of like thymus tapping because the thymus is right here. It's uh, around our heart chakra area. And you can reprogram your subconscious mind with thymus tapping. Mm -hmm. So because the thymus is really a big part of our immune system and our immune system is made up of mini me cells. So, you know, mini me as in little me cells. So if I tap over my thymus, um, the mini me cells in it are going to listen to what I'm saying. So, you know, especially nowadays, people being in fear and some people are worried about stuff. Why not just tap over your thymus and remind it like, hey, I am healthy. I am resiliently healthy or, you know, I'm okay. So thymus tapping is really powerful. And so most people, when they tap over the, like, you know, you can even try it. Like if you tap too high, you're like, oh, it's on your neck. If you tap too low, it's kind of uncomfortable. But when you hit the thymus, it's like a thump, thump, thump. And this is like a scientifically proven thing that works. So thymus tapping is what athletes can do themselves. Meditation, people think, oh, I can't do it myself. Or they'll use, you know, just a regular app. But start with guided meditation. I mean, your app is amazing, right? You can start with guided meditation. And then eventually you shift into just meditation where there's nothing to listen to, which mm -hmm. maybe sounds scary when I first tell people about that. Oh, no, I have to have music. But that's the point. As you listen to the music and you learn to kind of be outside of your body when you're meditating, then you won't even want the music. You'll want the silence. And you'll create the silence yourself. It can be noisy. And when I meditate, it's completely silent. Like I could be anywhere and everywhere all at once. Mm. So I think meditation is really powerful, the tapping. And then, um, you know, I love affirmations. And the idea would be to think about uh, using all of your senses. 
So you might want to record an affirmation and listen to it. Like, so an affirmation would be like, you know, I'm so happy and grateful that we win the world championships this year. So you'd want to look at it. You want to read it. So you want to write it down and put it where you can see it, you know, maybe in your car, in your mirror, somewhere like that. And then you'd also want to listen. I actually want to uh, hear it. So record it and then look at it, right? So record it and then play it back for yourself. Maybe uh, you, like, I actually bought a little mini O'Brien basketball trophy that I keep in my bookshelf. So maybe you hold a trophy. So now that's your sense of touch. And, you know, imagine what does it smell like to win a world championship? I mean, I feel like it smells like sweat and popcorn and spilled beer and sneakers, you know? I mean, I don't know. Like when I imagine what it smells like and then I visualize that, I think it's going to be really powerful. So I'm um, getting in, in touch w through affirmations and also visualization. Like every athlete should be visualizing. And people say things like, oh, so-and-so didn't. Yeah, but you just named one person out of all the millions of athletes who tried to be great who didn't visualize. But so many athletes who are great do visualize. And it's, it's proven that it works. And it actually helps athletes get healthier too. So whether they have an injury or a skill issue, visualization is going to change everything for them. Beautiful. I love it. Laura, I gotta, I gotta wrap us up here. So okay. thank you so much for sharing all your gifts. You. Um, where can people find you on the internet? Oh, I'm a Laura Grace Wild with an E at the end of wild on Instagram, or I'm also quantum player development on Instagram. So it's Laura Grace Wild or I'm lauramwild.com. L-A-U-R-A-M-W-I-L-D.